Hey y'all, it's Kez, and welcome back to New Pronouns. Who dis? I'm still working on getting the inflection in the my speech as I'm doing this podcast because obviously you guys can't see my hand motions you can't see my facial expressions but literally with the deepening of my voice I feel like it doesn't have as much inflection as it once had um, so I gotta work on that a little bit so I don't sound so monotone so anyways in this episode I would like to talk about how gender sexuality and sex are all different People like to lump them all together, put them in the same categories, um, think that if one person is one gender, then their sexuality must be this way, or if one person identifies as this certain gender, they must express their gender in a specific sort of way. And so I kind of want to put all that to rest, and I'm just going to do it in the best way that I know how, which is through my writing. Um, surprise, surprise, I'm not a huge, like, broadcaster. I'm more of a writer myself. And so for this episode, I want to read to you an excerpt of an essay that I wrote while in college. So these first three to five minutes will be me reading a scientific essay, and then we will go ahead and break it down. So without further ado... This is Breaking the Binary, Exploring Gender as a Spectrum by myself, Kez. Humans in modern society have a deeply ingrained need to fit all the pieces of the world into neat, unquestionable boxes of black or white. Very little in our world is accepted to exist in any true gray area. It is my belief that no categorization is more fundamentally significant than that of the gender binary, male or female. From the moment we develop genitalia, our entire lives are being planned out by our parents and society based on the gender roles we will be expected to adhere to. Cisgendered people, individuals whose gender identity matches their sex assigned at birth, dominate the gender spectrum and reinforce this gender binary construct. However, a new concept is emerging in modern society, gender as a spectrum. Gender spectrum is the idea that people may identify anywhere from male to female, in between the two, or even neither, and these identities may coincide with, or be in spite of, the presentation of their genitalia and biological sex. In order to gain understanding and acceptance of this concept, which feels new but has been around for decades, we must talk about the biological determinants of sex and gender, explore the aspects of gender identity on a personal level, and learn ways to to support or at least tolerate those who defy the gender binary. Before we dive in, let's establish the difference between sex and gender. Sex is what is biologically determined based on physiology and genitalia, while gender identity uh, refers to a person's innermost concept of self as male, female, or something else, and can be the same or different from one's physical sex. That's by Roselli, uh, 2018 Scientific Journal. So, what determines our biological sex? If we start from the very moment of conception, we're looking at chromosomes. If one carries a Y chromosome, they are biologically determined to be male. In absence of a Y chromosome, the person will be biologically female. As a person begins to develop prenatally, 
the hormones that are related to the male and female chromosomes begin to organize their physical bodies in a way that will create the proper, quote-unquote, genitalia for each sex. This is a quote from Roselli again in 2018 Scientific Journal. Prenatal and neonatal exposure to testosterone causes male typical development, whereas female typical development occurs in the relative absence of testosterone. This binary typical development, however, is not always as clean and clear-cut as many people believe. Interestingly, some people develop internal and or external organs which, in whatever combination, are simultaneously male and female typical. For example, a person may develop a penis, which is male typical, but they may have internal organs which are female typical, such as ovaries. Another example would be someone presenting as both with both a vagina and a penis at birth. These individuals are often referred to as intersex, and this biological phenomenon alone challenges the binary view of male and female. Just as biological sex has its roots in genetics, it is also being discovered in studies that gender identity is at least partially genetic as well. Roselli, from again that 2018 scientific article, states one hypothesis as follows. Genitals differentiate in the first trimester of pregnancy, whereas brains differentiate, uh, differentiation is considered to start in the second trimester. These events could be influenced independently of each other and result in people who identify with a gender different from their physical sex. Additionally, the, the overproduction or lack of specific hormones and or hormone receptors in someone's body during prenatal development could also contribute to the masculinization of a biological female or the feminization of a biological male's brain. Consequently, this will also influence their postnatal gender behavior. Again, a quote, uh, this is from Falso Sterling in a 2019 scientific journal. We cannot conceptualize brains as male or female simply because they are found in bodies with particular genitalia. So let's break this down into layman's terms, okay? Um, what is gender versus sex? Well, sex is determined by the organs that you have, and gender is determined by your perception of yourself, how you feel, how society views you. Um, in the end, this just reiterates that gender is a social concept. We are told that we must act and feel in a certain way based on the genitalia that we are born with. While science is over here saying, hey, your genitalia and the way that your brain works doesn't always match out. Scientists are telling us that we are intersex sometimes. There are intersex people out there. So how are you going to tell an intersex person, somebody who has both biological male and biological female parts, that they are one gender or the other? How are you supposed to determine that? Okay. If it's through your brain, well, again, the science is saying, hey, your brain is not always in complete cohesion with your body. So again, we go back to the nature versus nurture debate. Well, as we're learning, the more that we are uh, experimenting and discovering things, that nature, it's not nature versus nurture, it's nature and nurture. Most things are both having a biological component and a nurturing component. So the moment somebody has a baby, they have 
Well, first of all, they have their gender reveal party, right? And then they pop out this child and, oh my gosh, it has a penis. So this is a boy. Now, I've already predetermined exactly what I want this boy to grow up to be. I want this boy to be athletic and I want him to like G.I. Joe's and to play outside and be rugged and to be manly and to uh, just act in a specific way that society has deemed appropriate for what a boy should be and act like and enjoy. Or it's flipped. Okay, I've got this child that has a vagina. Okay, she's a girl. Now I'm determining that I'm going to raise this girl to be feminine and she's going to be nurturing and she's going to be uh, good with with children and she's just going to be the most the epitome of beauty and femininity and this is how I'm going to raise her to be. So we're looking at the genitalia of a child that is hasn't even breathed 2 seconds into this world and we have already determined the outlook of their life and their gender expression and how we hope that we can raise them to be. We're deciding what kind of clothes they're going to wear. We're deciding what kind of speech we want them to use. We're deciding who they can play with and what kind of colors they're going to like. We are determining all of these things before they are even able to think and act for themselves. And the moment that a child diverges from what is socially accepted of them, of their gender, then they are chastised for it. For example, if a boy enjoys wearing dresses or if a boy enjoys playing with dolls, he is criticized, he is made fun of, he is redirected to different activities. He's told that the things that he's enjoying and expressing himself, because they're not masculine enough, they are wrong. And the same thing goes for a girl. If she likes to wear boys' clothes and she likes to get rough and play football or get dirty, then we've determined, okay, she's being too manly. She needs to be girly. We need to stick this girl into dresses. She needs to enjoy pink. And again, we as a society have determined all of this. We have decided what is right and what is wrong for a person to express their gender based on their genitalia. And to me, does that not sound completely insane? It it just reinforces that gender is a social construct. We, as a society, have decided that a man acts like this and a woman acts like this. So, of course, we're going to raise them to act in these particular ways. Now, what is particularly interesting about this, and again, reinforces that gender is a social construct is that gender roles differ just among different cultures and even just among different timelines. So, for example, back in the day, all babies in the Victorian era were dressed up in dresses. But at some point along the way, it was decided by our society that dresses belong to girls and boys cannot wear dresses. And so here we are as a society gendering things that are inanimate objects. We're gendering clothing. We're gendering toys. We're gendering habits and behaviors. And raising our children to fit into these categories and to fit into these boxes. And the moment somebody chooses to do something different, to defy their gender roles and their gender expectations, we decide that there's something wrong with them the very moment a gender role is challenged.
which again is some sort of unspoken rule that we all just made up at some point. We say, nope, that's wrong, invalid, can't do that, sorry, you're a boy, not a girl, sorry, you're a girl, not a boy, sorry, there's no such thing as in-between or non-binary or neither. And how do we really have the authority to say that? When we are imposing a societal restriction, not a natural one. So is it really so surprising that when people start exploring things outside of their gender norms and outside of their gender expectations, that they truly start to find themselves? Wouldn't it be more natural that somebody is exploring things outside of their gender norms and their gender expectations than it is to just conform to the gender roles that they were forced into by society? Wouldn't it make sense that these socially constructed gender rules are impeding on the natural progression that somebody would make? If it wasn't forced upon me from birth, based on my genitalia, that I was a girl, then I wouldn't have wasted 20 plus years of my life figuring out that I wasn't a girl. In fact, I was telling people by the time I could talk that I wanted to be a boy when I grew up. So before society could truly dig their claws into me, I was already deciding that being a girl and being forced into the gender role of a girl was not right for me. I was naturally progressing to that conclusion. But then again, society had to step in and rear its ugly head and decide, nope, you're wrong. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. Like, how can we say that somebody exploring their gender identity or differing from their uh, gender assigned at birth is unnatural when it literally is the most natural thing we can do. It uh, It's these unrealistic rules that are being imposed on people that is not allowing them to explore these natural things that they should just be exploring. I mean, I can imagine it would be so blissful for my gender identity and gender expression and my sex and uh, gender assigned at birth to all match up. Like, how blissful that must be. But here I am, not only experiencing gender dysphoria, but then on top of it, being forced to feel embarrassed and ashamed for feeling this gender dysphoria. And then to rub salt in a wound, being told that we are invalid and not allowed to try to create congruence between our gender identity and our bodies through medical uh, intervention. So if anything, we need to put aside whatever our beliefs are and look at the science. If you can't have, again, enough of an open mind and respect for another human being to hear their experience and what they're going through and at least entertain the idea that holy cow this might be real um then and you need science like look at it look it up you're not going to get it in your social media feed you're not going to get it popping up as a you know an article that you may like because the algorithms these days um through our social media through our online searches are only going to give us the information that we already have. It's only going to give us the information that backs up or solidifies our already deeply ingrained beliefs because that's what the algorithm is supposed to do. It's supposed to give you stuff that pertains to you, that's interesting to you. So if you don't go and research things 
outside of your comfort zone, outside of what you already believe, well then, of course, you're only going to get the information that continues to reinforce your already deeply held beliefs. Now, I can imagine those people who are closed-minded and unwilling to challenge their own beliefs are already gone. I would be very surprised if they've made it this far into my podcast series and especially this far into the episode. But for the people who are still here, um, the people who are willing to listen and have an open mind and challenge the things that they believe, I am so grateful that you're here. And I don't want you to think that I'm just ranting and think that you're all horrible people because that's not the case. I think that we have all been raised and groomed and uh, socialized to believe certain things based on who we've come into contact with, who our parents are, where we live, um, things we were exposed to, etc. And for you to continue to be here again, to be listening to maybe a side of things that you didn't um necessarily stop to consider before like that's huge again thank you for being here and for listening and in the description of this episode i will put some of those scientific articles that i was um citing uh, earlier uh, from my paper so i will be sure to to put that in there so if you want to do a little bit of of research on your own uh, you can start there that would be awesome but I also think that, uh, again, it's about exposure. We need to be talking to the people that are experiencing these things. Because if you've never had to experience an incongruence between your gender assigned at birth and the gender identity that you have now, then of course like you wouldn't be able to necessarily understand what that feels like and how much of it truly is not a choice. Like I'm not choosing to be this way i'm not making the choice to feel uncomfortable in my body i'm not making the choice to basically be ostracized by society and put myself out there to be basically victimized or be a subject for violence Um, i'm not choosing to be discriminated against the only thing i am choosing is to take control of my life i am choosing to make my life better for myself by finding ways to match my gender identity and my body. I'm choosing to pursue to have that blissful experience of my gender identity, who I feel I am on the inside, to match my body on the outside. Something that a cisgender person never had to worry about in their life. You know, and and there's people out there that are gonna, that think like, well, quit acting like a minority and you won't be treated like one or quit acting, you know, like you're a, a kicked puppy and you won't be treated like one. But it's like, I'm, I'm here literally taking control of my life, taking the steps I need to take in order to make myself a better life. And there's other people out there deciding what I can and cannot do in order to better my life. Like, why is it that we can't just let people be? What What is everybody so afraid of? Like, I'm. this is a genuine question. Like, what, what are you so afraid of? If someone is transgender and they decide to medically transition, why Why does that scare you? Like, what is going on that this is something to, to fear? You know, and there's going to be people saying, oh, well, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of a transgender person. I just think it's wrong. I think it's gross. 
okay, but that has to stem from somewhere. And most negative feelings stem from fear. So again, you got to ask yourself, what what am I afraid of? What is a gender diverse person expressing themselves have to do with me? Why, why do I feel threatened? And before you come at me with like, something ridiculous like pedophilia or some other baseless claim, make sure that you do your research because it's definitely not the transgender community that you have to be worried about. And that's where I'm going to leave that because I don't want to attack anybody's uh, religion or get on more of a rant about statistics. But they're out there. So again, just do your research. But I think it's time to digress a little bit. Um, Got kind of worked up there, got a little breathy. (laughs) And, um, you know, I think think the point I'm trying to get across has been made. As always, I am an open book. This is why I am putting myself out there through this podcast, being as honest as I possibly can be with everybody about my gender experience, my opinion, and also my research. Um, scientific research. And that's why I'm putting it all out there because I want it to be a conversation. So um, if anybody has any comments, questions, uh, you know, obviously let's keep it respectful, but I'm here for it. I want to start the conversation. That's what I'm trying to do here. So please, uh, I'm an open book. I'm approachable. I promise. If you got anything for me, let's talk about it. So thank you again for being here, for listening to my podcast, for keeping an open mind and for being uh, willing to, you know, hear me out, educate yourself, and hopefully if you're not already an ally to become one and to find out like how you can be supportive of the transgender community and the gender diverse community. And if you are here um, as a transgender person, a gender diverse person or somebody questioning, um, this is really for you. And I hope that you are finding some comfort in my words. I hope that you're finding connection. And we're going to just continue to roll these things out. Again, there's still so much to unpack. I guess that's the word that I have been enjoying using over these episodes. Um, I want to talk about my personal history with my sexuality and my gender identity. Um, I want to talk more about gender dysphoria. I want to talk about more about society and I want to talk about bathroom anxiety. Um, and especially about my choice to medically transition, what that's been like for me, um, things that I enjoy, maybe some things I'm not so fond of and just get that information out there. Cause I'll tell you one thing, uh, researching YouTube videos, um, finding people online who decided to do, Uh, low-dose testosterone were a huge help for me as I was trying to decide if that was the proper um, steps for me to be taking for myself. And so having those resources were huge, and I just hope to be that resource for somebody else. Thanks again, everybody. Until next time. See ya.